Caroline Dowd Higgins, host of Your Working Life, my podcast series featuring thought leaders in the career and personal growth arena with wisdom to help you thrive. The podcast provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. And today I am delighted to welcome back a very special guest to the show, Bill Treasurer. Bill, welcome back. Caroline, it's great to be with you again. Oh, I'm so excited. You have a fabulous new book. I want to tell our global listening audience all about you. Bill Treasurer is the Chief Encouragement Officer of Giant Leap Consulting. And his brand new book, and believe me, he has written many, is a favorite of mine. It's called A Leadership Kick in the Ass. Love the title. How to Learn from Rough Landings, Blunders, and Missteps. And it just came out, and it reveals how to turn ego-bruising events into the kind of transformative experiences that mark the paths of great leaders. Now, Bill, let's cut to the chase. Why are confidence and humility so crucial in effective leadership? Well, we certainly want confidence. We want leaders who have a strong sense of where they're going, a great sense of direction. We definitely want them to have backbone and strength. So we want confidence in a leader. At the same time, we don't want so much confidence that it turns into arrogance or conceit because that's bad for the leader and it's bad for those being led. So we want to make sure that 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 confidence is anchored to and tempered by humility. The challenge is that Humility doesn't come natural to a lot of people, especially hard-charging, leader-like, socially dominant people. So unfortunately, the way that we often get humility is through a humiliating event. Uh, The coach of the Pittsburgh Pirates who wrote the foreword to the book said, he's learned over time that there are two types of leaders, those who have been humbled and those who are about to be. Ah, great. You know, let's talk about the audience for this book because I've read it. It's it's so authentic, it's so real, and frankly, it's refreshing. You know, there's a lot of great leadership uh, writing out there, but this is real, Bill, and, and I love it because you don't, uh, you don't mince words. So tell me more, who's the ideal audience? Well, that's a good question. I think that the ideal audience is really uh, twofold. First, emerging leaders, those that are now just getting into the leadership ranks and are finding it more difficult than they thought that the honeymoon is over, is over. They've realized (laughs) that, wow, this is uh, I don't know how to do this fully. I think that this book is really good for them. It's also good for mid-career people, leaders who've been at it for a while and have become disillusioned and maybe a little bit jaded. I think that this book could be a good reinvigoration for them so that they can level set and re, uh, reset their compass bearing. You know, I really appreciate that level set because a lot of people have been leading for a good long time and you need to refresh. Uh, You need to dust that leadership off and and make sure that it's innovative and working for those around you. So thank you for that. I think that's an important lesson. Now, I love this. In the book, you say that leaders often get in their own way. So give me an example of, of what that might look like and how you can navigate around it. Well, I think that ego attachment gets in the way of a lot of leaders. You know, we get a lot of we give a lot of cues to leaders that they're special. Yeah. We give them a bigger office, a nicer parking space, 
Um, they, they're allowed to come in late to the meeting, even though that they shouldn't. They often interrupt us and get away with it. So we give them a lot of behavioral latitude, and it starts to send a cue to them that they're special. And it's easy, easy to get caught up in the delusion of that, into the sense of specialness, and you start to believe it. And when that happens, you become deluded and you become oblivious to yourself. When that happens, then you put yourself in danger. You're about to get a, uh, a face smack or what I call a butt kick of some sort, usually of your own making. And life has a way of correcting you. It, it has a way of telling you, look, you've gotten yourself on the wrong path here. And you might find it, for example, when I do a lot of 360-degree feedbacks. I know that you do this as well. Right. It's uh, you know common in executive coaching practices, whereby the leader goes through a battery of surveys. They evaluate themselves. Their boss evaluates them, their direct reports evaluate them on leadership, and much of it is anonymous. So when they get that feedback, they know it's basically the honest stuff that people have been afraid to tell them, and it becomes like a, a bucket of cold water uh, sort of thrown off over their shirt. And it can be the wake-up call. It can be that humiliating event that suddenly they realize, wait a minute, I'm not the leader that I thought I was. You know that Jim Collins wrote a book called Good to Great. Right. Well, the fact is most leaders don't go from good to great. They often go from decidedly bad to pretty good. And it takes a little while, usually in the form of tough feedback, for the leader to get a reality check, a dose of humility, where they're now willing to learn. And, you know, we're both in the same camp that that humiliation process, it, it, yes, it can be a very good thing. It can be a teachable moment for the leader and those around them to have that uh, ego check. So talk to me about transformative humiliation. And if you could give me an example, because you do such a great job in the book about talking about specific examples, many of which we can relate to. Mm. Well, an example that I can give you actually is it involves a 360 degree feedback. I was working with two different senior executives at two different construction companies that I work with. Okay. And one of the leaders, a guy named Bruce, got feedback that he was a pig head, that he was obnoxious, that he didn't listen to people. And his choice, when you get that feedback, you've got a choice. Are you going to take it and assimilate it and learn from it and get some humility and listen to it? Or are you going to double down on your conviction that you're right? And Bruce chose that. He chose to ignore it, to blow it off, to oh. basically say that it was uh, the sour grapes of poor performers. Now, I contrast that with a guy named Derek, who got similar feedback, in some respects harsher. It said that he was acerbic. It said that he was um, edgy. Uh, it said that he was like a coiled spring uh, and that he, was, he, had a, he didn't have any control over his temper. And at first, he wanted to dismiss his feedback, too. But after a while, he asked me, he said, well, how do these results compare to other people that you coach? And I told him the truth. I said, Derek, not too good. And he said, well, what do I do about it? I said, well, let's go to work. Yeah. And so that's what we did. So we started coaching every two weeks for 90 minutes. Uh, he, he started journaling about the leader he wanted to be. He started get, understanding the leader he had become. A lot of his influence had been his, frankly, overbearing father. And then after a while, he started actually taking care of himself, too, uh, paying attention to fitness and diet and putting his cell phone down and spending time with his family and becoming more reasonable in his work-life balance. About six months later, he started recognizing that he was making you know, progress. So the double down, right, there's that, that approach of saying, I'm right and they're wrong. Or if you can eventually get to the place that says, you know what, I'm willing to learn 
And, and here's a good acronym, Caroline, that we can hang our hat on. W-H-O. Am I willing to listen to this feedback? Am I honest with myself? And am I open to trying new things so that I get a better response? Derek ended up becoming a much better leader, and I know that because two of his direct reports I started working with five years later, and they were referring to him as what a great mentor, coach, and leader he had become in their lives. Bruce, on the other hand, got fired about eight months after the 360-degree feedback process. Interesting. Great story. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I'm, I'm so thrilled, too, that you talk about the holistic approach because our lives are integrated with work and what doesn't work at home, we take to work and vice versa. So I, I absolutely agree with you that it's got to be that holistic approach. Let's talk mm. a little bit, Bill, about career setbacks that leaders are experiencing in different stages of their careers. Our listening demographic is very broad in that we have high potential emerging leaders, as well as those seasoned folks all the way to the C-suite who've been doing it for a while. And as you said, need to dust off those those leadership skills. So walk me through some different stages and setbacks that leaders should look out for. Sure. Terrific. Well, there's three chapters in the book devoted to just that. First to the new leader. Uh, then there's a book for the middle leaders. And then there's a chapter, sorry, a chapter for the experienced leaders as well. Yeah. And I'll give you one from each. For new leaders, uh, it, you get this wake-up call moment where you realize you're in over your head, and it becomes sort of a uh, you know a kick in the pants to recognize that, wow, this is really really hard. That adults can be temperamental big baby babies in ways that you didn't expect. That the incessant drive to get results never lets up, and you're mm. on point. The fact that people from below you are going to bellyache and the people from above you are going to be constantly wanting you to put the throttle down. So I think there's this disillusionment that comes to new leaders in particular. Uh, and that's something that they have to, that's a, you know, butt kick moment for right. a new leader. The real a world. A mid-career leader, it can be something different. In a mid-career, you've proven yourself. You've uh, risen through the ranks. You probably have had some successes or they wouldn't have kept you in the management ranks. And you're starting to, to come into your stride and your confidence is gaining. And in fact, maybe you start to become a little bit overconfident at this stage in your career. And just when you expected to get that big promotion, one of your peers who you are sure that you outdo and outperform passes you by with a smile on their face, waving at you as they pass you by up the ladder. Ugh. And this is what I call the Passover. And the Passover is a very common experience for mid-career leaders. And they start to build resentments. And they feel like at that moment, sometimes they feel like quitting that organization or leaving or not supporting the leader who passed them by. Uh, but instead, if they choose to learn from the experience, meet with their boss or bosses and find out why, why they weren't selected for that upper level position, and in fact, embrace and support the person who passed them, it's a much, much better strategy to excel later on. So important. And, and then in the final stages of our career, our seasoned leadership life, uh, if you will, there's, uh, there's actually a, a word for this. There's this sense that the doors of opportunity are closing. Now, you know, my second, uh, actually my third book was called Leaders Open Doors. Right. And the point of that book is that a leader should be an opportunity creator. 
And there's something that jazz as a leader really gets a leader excited about creating opportunities for those around them and for the organization. And in the later stages in your career, where you have what I call crested, where you've now, you're never gonna hold a leadership position as prominent as the one as you do now. It's not gonna be, there's not gonna be another summit to climb. Uh, you start to go on a slow, and it can be extended, it can take a long time, a slow decline. And the word in German is called Torschluss panic. Torschluss panic. And what does it mean? It means the sense that the doors are closing. What's interesting, Caroline, it comes from a Middle Ages word when people lived out, when you lived in the fortress, right? You lived yeah. in a medieval town and there was the gates. And if you weren't home by evening, they started to roll up the drawbridge. Right, and you weren't getting the, in. Yeah, exactly. And that's what the term comes from. So this this idea of uh, torseless panic is the panic, the fear of closing gates, that there are no more opportunities in front of me. And that's a common career experience late in your career when you start to think, you know, am I valuable anymore? Do I still have something to offer? What's interesting about that is I actually worked with a group of seasoned leaders, another construction company in Chicago, and what they decided to do was take the people who were over 60 in their workforce and they they raised them in esteem and they became what's known as the ambassadors. And the ambassadors had a little insignia on their shirts and jackets, an A that looked like the Avengers or something, an a, a signal. And it signaled to other people in the workforce that these people have wisdom and that you should tap into their experience because of their age. And it's to be held in high regard and high esteem. You you hope that you get to be an ambassador. Oh, someday. I love that. The superheroes respected it's, as they should be for their life wisdom. Exactly. Good stuff. Bill, your books are extraordinary, but a leadership kick in the ass is unique and very special. Help me understand, our audience understand, what makes this unique and why should one of our millions of listeners seek this out as opposed to all the other books out there on the market? Uh, good question. You know, certainly there's a lot of books in the uh, leadership space. Of course, I've got other leadership books. And stuff. I, I think that what makes this book unique and I hope original um, is... You know, this book is really brass tacks and it doesn't it doesn't put the rosy veneer on the idea of leadership. It takes leadership as it is and it doesn't try to um, it doesn't try to gussy leadership up. It it ends up putting a reality check on the idea and construct of leadership. And that's because I realized this after I wrote the book, Caroline, that it was really informed by, you know, I've worked with a lot of cool companies. You know, I've worked with NASA and Lenovo yep. and Saks Fifth Avenue and UBS Bank and the Pittsburgh Pirates and all these really cool organizations. But the most experience I've gotten the last dozen years have been with unionized Chicago construction companies. Gotta love it. Yep. And Heart and soul. You got it. And they don't take any leadership frou-frou. They don't want a bunch of theoretical stuff and mumbo-jumbo. They want stuff that works, and if you don't give them stuff that works, you won't be working with them very long. So this book was really informed by nitty-gritty leaders who do real work. They're doing things like building highways and water treatment uh, plants and runways and putting the lights in at Soldier Field. These folks do real work, and they have low tolerance for stuff that doesn't work. So they really inform the book. The book is useful because they've taught me that you got to provide useful stuff if people uh, are going to be good readers or want your services. 
Well, it is refreshingly candid, and I think it is a great addition to the wonderful repertoire of books that you have already written. It is on my shelf. It is on my book case. It is, I have several copies at home, one at work, and then it's dog-eared and highlighted. So I love it, Bill, and I want to encourage all of our leaders listening to, to buy a copy for themselves and for those on their teams. And to reiterate, the great title is A Leadership Kick in the Ass by Bill Treasurer, How to Learn from rough landings, blunders, and missteps. Bill, what a joy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your wisdom. Caroline, I so appreciate it. I remember the words of Martin Luther King. He said that everybody can be a leader because anyone can serve. And my great hope with this book is that more people choose to apply leadership for the good of other people by being a good servant leadership. Thank you for doing that. Absolutely. Hey, before we close, let's not forget, how do we buy the book and how do we follow you online? Well, you can go to any one of your online retailers. Uh, You can also pick it up in your famous retail stores, Barnes & Nobles, for example. Um, And you can get me online by going to BillTreasurer.com or CourageBuilding.com. Brilliant. Thanks, Bill. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in to Your Working Life, where my goal is to help you design your career destiny so it doesn't happen by default. The show is now available on iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, and Stitcher. Be sure to subscribe so you get new shows every week and leave a comment about what's important to you in the career world and I'll consider your idea for a future show. I'm Caroline Down Higgins. Thanks for listening.